You're listening to Healing Through Tarot. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Hardison. Together, we're going to explore divination and help you start your own journey with tarot. I'll discuss my tarot journey and offer ways to use tarot for healing, self-development, and personal growth. So let's get started. Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode 34 of Healing Through Tarot. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Hardison. In this episode, we are continuing our Shadow Work series. In the second installment of this mini-series, I will discuss triggers and wound healing, which are major aspects of Shadow Work. I will also share a few custom spreads I've created for our Shadow Work journey. And at the end of the episode, I'll review the Disney Villains Tarot deck that I think is a perfect deck for identifying triggers and wounds in Shadow Work. One of the best ways to ease into shadow work is to start carving out a few minutes a day to meditate. We're able to access the subconscious mind easier when we're in a relaxed state. Set a timer for 5 to 10 minutes and see where your mind drifts off to. You don't have to work through anything. For the moment, just observe. Afterwards, you can journal about where your thoughts wandered. Notice if anything came up that felt confronting, upsetting, or troubling. Calmly observe without judgment. Those thoughts are here to teach you. View them as guides to lessons that you're ready to master now. The mind is a powerful tool. We have many layers of defense mechanisms. So if your mind allows these thoughts or memories to waft into your awareness, it's safe to say that you're ready to at least observe the thoughts. If it feels too confronting, just jot a note down about how it feels and allow yourself to return to it later when it feels safer. There's no need to rush through this process. Take cues from your body. We will all experience resistance to this process, so that's normal. I've noticed that a lot of my breakthroughs with shadow work have come when I'm falling asleep or waking up and lying in bed for the first few minutes of the day. I believe that's due to everything being turned off. There's nothing competing for my attention at those times. Building in quiet, meditative time helps with this process. Another way to start shadow work is a trigger log. Log all triggers, confrontations, arguments, and moments of anger that occur daily. These are clues to hot-button topics that strike close to our shadow elements. Write down anything in the news that angered you or any particular people that set you off. Describe which traits of these people set you off the most. What types of conversations upset you and why? How do they make you feel? Remember, triggers are our teachers. What can you learn from your particular triggers? Take a good look at your relationship dynamics. What role do you usually play in relationships? You can look at romantic relationships as well as friendships or family interactions. In these relationships, Are you the caregiver, the fixer, the black sheep, the passive friend, the aggressor, or the savior? If you have trouble with this exercise, look through an archetype deck or a list of archetypes online for ideas. I also like the archetype quiz that you can find on projectarchetypes.com. Common archetypes include the hero, 
the mother, the healer, the advocate, the trickster, the warrior, the rebel, and so on. You may find that you take on similar roles in all relationships, or you may notice that you shift roles based on the type of relationship. All of these clues help us to piece together past experiences that have shaped our current reality. If you're wanting to break unhealthy or dysfunctional cycles or habits, these clues help point us to the work we need to complete to change how we interact with the world. We have to be aware of what's driving our behaviors first before we can change them. For example, in my own shadow work, I've known for years that I needed to forgive those who wounded me early on in life. I never felt ready to put in the real work to do that until my pancreatitis, when I realized that I was paying the extreme price of failing health for holding on to rage for early childhood wounds. At that time, I was forced to take off three months of work in 2015 due to the pancreatitis. And it was in that downtime, when I couldn't distract myself with constant work, that I realized the reason that I hadn't felt ready to forgive and move on was because I wasn't ready to stop the blame game. And in order to heal, I would have to lay that down and stop that cycle. After realizing that, I finally stopped the cycle now that I had become aware of how destructive it was to my health. It was a rare moment of compassion I had for myself, which I fully believe only came about because of how sickly I was at the time. Some part of me was able to take pity on myself and open up a door to let some compassion flow in because I knew the only way to build my health back up was to stop the war I had within. Now I live a life more aligned with my specific life path and what brings me happiness every single day has no connection to the expectations or wants of others anymore. Through this work, I realized that the only acceptance I needed was my own. Self-compassion is one of the hardest things for us humans to give ourselves. We can offer it to others so easily, but it's a whole different matter entirely when we need to come for ourselves. So please keep that in mind as you undertake this shadow work journey. Be kind to yourself and show yourself compassion and self-care. And don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable for the healing that needs to happen from this work. That was the key to my breakthrough. Shame is a soul-eating emotion. Carl Jung When starting shadow work, shame is going to have to be addressed early on in the process. So let's talk about that now. Every single person on the planet has felt shame in their life, whether it was warranted or not. It's normal to feel this way, but I want us to understand that when healing, this is something we've got to address. We can't keep it hidden anymore where it's continuing to cause damage and prevent healing. Often people will feel that shame rise up and they will likely halt the entire healing exercise because it's so uncomfortable. During this work, prepare to encounter shame or fear. Knowing that it's coming helps you prepare for that discomfort. You will also likely encounter anger or rage. This is a very common and acceptable emotion for many people. Many of us find it easier to feel and express anger than shame, hurt, or vulnerability. Anger is a secondary emotion, so there's usually a deeper primary emotion underneath it that we need to identify. Primary emotions 
can include shame, hurt, and wounds like deep insecurities or fear of rejection, abandonment, and humiliation. When I taught anger management on my internship, I always passed out an anger quiz to identify the type of anger a client was experiencing. There are at least 10 common anger types. Shame-based anger was one of the most common, so don't be surprised if that one comes up for you. If you encounter anger during your shadow work, keep digging, because there's likely something deeper under it that needs to be dealt with for true healing to occur. Let's explore triggers. This is a crucial step in shadow work. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Carl Jung When we know why we are being triggered, we can make different choices. Being aware is key. Explore why you react the way you do, so you can learn to respond and not react in the heat of the moment. Let's look at the trigger cycle. Someone says something triggering to us. We then react defensively, often with a defense mechanism we learned as a child to protect ourselves. Then this reaction causes consequences for us. And we stay angry and defensive, but not consciously aware of why we react this way. This unconscious cycle repeats over and over again if we never explore why we were triggered in the first place. Take a good long look at the reactions you feel when triggered and start to observe and even log your reactions when faced with a trigger. Those are huge clues that something needs to be explored. Triggers are closely tied to our wounds and often serve them up. So we need to identify our earliest wounds and explore and heal them in order to deactivate the trigger. Once we feel healed and whole, the trigger won't impact us in the same way again. This way, we change how we respond to the trigger in the future. We diffuse it. To do this, we must re-examine these old wounds as well as old stories and beliefs we hold on to about ourselves. Ask yourself the following questions and journal on these topics to explore your triggers. What limiting beliefs from my childhood still affect me today? Do they still hold power over me? Which traits trigger me? What trait am I most critical of in my partner? What trait am I most critical of in my family? Which situations trigger me and make me feel uncomfortable? Which people trigger me? What flaw triggers my inner critic? And when do the expectations of others trigger my insecurities? Make a list of any triggers that come to mind and work on these throughout this journey. I made a graphic including all of these trigger questions and journal prompts, and I've posted them on my blog, Instagram, and Pinterest for you. I created a nine-card spread to help us with neutralizing triggers. The first prompt is my biggest family trigger. Under this card, we will pull another card that tells us what the trigger reflects about ourselves, and then a card to reveal the inner work needed to neutralize this trigger. We will do the same process for the second prompt, my biggest relationship trigger, and for the third prompt, 
my biggest situational trigger. This will leave you with a nine-card spread. This will help identify how we deactivate each of these triggers and not be so reactive in the future. The graphic for this spread is also on my blog and Instagram and Pinterest accounts. Whatever is rejected from the self appears in the world as an event. Carl Jung We repress our shadow self because we don't want to face perceived shortcomings, negative traits, or traumatic and difficult memories from our past. Part of the shadow work process is to return to these moments in childhood when our shadow self was created. During that crucial part of our development, we learned of the expectations the world and our parents or caregivers had for us. This conditioning altered how we viewed ourselves and how we functioned throughout the rest of our lives. As children, we wanted to gain approval of our caregivers, so we shaped our behavior to their expectations, thinking this would bring us happiness and acceptance. Unfortunately for many of us, this meant cutting ourselves off from passions, dreams, and aspects of ourselves. Thus begins the shadow self that is repressed so that we don't have to face these aspects of ourselves that wouldn't fit into society's mold of what's acceptable. Looking at our wounds helps to connect the pieces of our missing selves that we've hidden away for long periods of time. For some of us, it could be decades before we reconnect with these repressed parts of ourselves. Shadow work entails moving these hidden shadow aspects into conscious awareness so we can live a more authentic life and improve our overall mental health. When we aren't conscious of our wounds, we act out of our shadow. I'm sure you've heard the saying, wounded people wound others. This is absolutely true. We have to look at our wounds and heal them to stop lashing out at others. This will help end the cycle. After a quick break, we will talk some more about triggers, and I will share another custom spread on triggers and my review of the Disney Villains Tarot. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. My fictional divination book series, the Divining Sisters series has launched. You can purchase book one in the series, The Call of the Cards, now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble in paperback or ebook. If you're a fan of divination, this is a great book series for you. Follow along as my main character, Alexandra Steele, discovers numerous past life connections to the craft of divination, which sparks an awakening that leaves her life forever changed. As she reconnects to these deep mystical ties, she begins to learn about her destiny, which is revealed as she starts to encounter coven sisters and foes from previous incarnations. Dive into this powerful story of empowerment, healing, and sisterhood as Alexandra struggles to overcome past life fears and trauma to come into her own power with the help of her coven sisters. Grab a copy of The Call of the Cards 
and experience the magic of healing for yourself. And please leave a review wherever you purchase the book to help me reach new readers who can discover the divinatory world that we all love so much. I'm excited to announce the launch of my third spread ebook. It's called Healing Through Tarot's Healing and Mental Health Spreads, Volume 2. This ebook contains 15 custom spreads centered around healing and mental health issues, including anxiety, depression, and self-care. Each spread is a nine-card spread, so there's plenty to dive into here. Volume 2 contains spreads for inner child healing, body healing, conquering anxiety, managing depression, reparenting yourself, restoring balance, ancestral karma clearing, a Chiron wounded healer spread, an empath spread, a soul connection spread, and much more. This ebook is a complement to the Volume 1 Healing and Mental Health Spread ebook, but it can also stand alone. You can find this spread ebook on my website, healingthroughterror.com, for $14. A list of all 15 spreads is on my website. And you can use oracle cards or tarot cards with these spreads. This spread ebook is designed to help take you through the healing work needed to heal old wounds and step into brand new energy of empowerment. Together, we can heal through tarot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When identifying triggers, there are some telltale signs that point you in the direction of shadow work. The following are some common clues to the type of shadow work needed. Family drama and frequent family arguments. If you constantly get stressed out over family events or holidays due to frequent confrontations and often feel triggered in their presence, then you would benefit from inner work revolving around deep family wounds. You may need to work on balancing your root chakra if you uncover any old family wounds connected to your shadow. Deflection. Notice when you deflect, change the subject, or avoid conversations about your behavior, because those are clues that you're avoiding an honest look at certain shadow aspects of yourself. There could be great shame around things you've done, choices you've made, or thoughts you've had in the past. If you explode in anger when these things are brought up, that is a sign that shame is present. Shame is uncomfortable, so we deflect onto others to avoid feeling that shame, fear, humiliation, or the intense pain of old wounds. Imposter Syndrome Do you feel like a fraud? Or do you feel unworthy? This is often at the root of our insecurities and low self-esteem which could then fuel self-hatred. Low self-worth is related to the solar plexus chakra, so you need to work on balancing this chakra. Listen to episode 18 of Healing Through Tarot to learn how to balance each chakra if you find that you have some chakra work to do related to your shadow work. 
Self-criticism. Where do you harshly judge yourself? Examine your inner critic. This is so crucial. When we delve into the shadow, people often find self-hatred, self-disgust, as well as self-sabotage and self-abuse lurking under the surface. All of this is related to our inner critic that barks demands at us, demeans us through constant negative self-talk, and paralyzes us through fear and doubt. If you pull the devil card frequently, you could have a strong, harsh inner critic. When working through self-criticism and shadow work, the bottom line is, can you get to the point where you can embrace yourself and learn to love yourself unconditionally, just the way you are, flaws and all? And can you commit to building yourself up instead of tearing yourself down going forward? In order to heal, the self-abuse cycle must stop. Can you offer yourself some compassion? Please be gentle and kind with yourself through this process and show yourself some compassion. Follow the blame. Who are you blaming in your life? We often project our fears, doubts, and insecurities onto others. This is what we call projection. Make a list of those you often blame for things that go wrong in your life or those you blame for blocking your success. Are you really upset with yourself over perceived shortcomings or the lack of accountability for your actions? This is a major clue. And also look at victimhood. Do you blame the world or someone else in your life for something that has happened to you? Have you given up your power? Explore all of these questions to see what pain you need to face in order to heal. Guilt. What do you feel guilty over? Guilt keeps us hiding from ourselves. Is there something you deeply want forgiveness for? And if so, can you forgive yourself and release the blocks that this causes you? Trail of Fears Wherever your fears lie, you need to camp out and do a lot of digging. This is where you will discover deep wounds and hurts. Fear often protects us from getting hurt again. If we don't take chances and we stay at home in our comfort zone, we don't risk getting injured again, right? Our fears would keep us locked away, secluded from the world for the rest of time if possible. The only way to solve this issue is to dig it up and process it. If you pull the following tarot cards often, you may have a lot of fear that's stopping your progress. Nine of Swords, the Devil, the Moon, or the Reversed Fool card. We often hide behind masks as well. What disguises are you wearing daily? Who are you pretending to be? Through this work, you have to determine if you can shed the disguise and face your true inner self. That's the biggest fear we all have. And remember, have compassion for yourself as you tackle each of the areas above. If you're having trouble finding compassion for yourself, the key is to connect with your inner child. It helps break down the defenses we've built up for decades. When we do this, we're able to see our inner core, our vulnerabilities, our self before all of the wounds and pain, our soul's true expression, our heart. We then realize that we don't deserve all of the self-abuse, 
and we can finally start to work on building ourselves up and not tearing ourselves down. Drop down into that inner child whenever you encounter intense self-criticism. It's hard to yell at our younger selves. Also, I'll add this little tip here. When you're working with healing wounds, the issue of forgiveness will probably pop up. It's a touchy subject because a lot of the time you just aren't in a place where you feel ready to forgive. And that's okay. It took years for me to work up to forgiveness, but I eventually got there. I pulled the forgiveness card in every one of my Oracle decks, along with the Three of Swords, so often for years that I threatened to remove all of these cards from my decks. The only way that I found that I could get to the point of forgiveness was at the soul level. I created terror spreads to unearth the wounds and the behaviors I had developed in response to those wounds that were keeping the cycle going. After I had the clues to what was holding my trauma in place, I did the work with my higher self and their higher self to get to a place of forgiveness. The process of forgiveness doesn't have to take place face to face. I did what felt safest and truest for me at that moment. Follow your gut on this issue and don't stress over it if you don't feel ready. Only you can make that decision. I will now share with you the seven card trigger spread I created to help us identify triggers and learn the lessons they're here to teach us. Here are those prompts. How do I recognize my shadow in others? What behaviors by others trigger me the most? What trigger am I still unaware of? Which shadow traits come to the surface when I'm stressed? How to better deal with these triggers stemming from my shadow? How can I comfort myself when triggered? And what do these triggers have to teach me? If you want to throw the spread for yourself, you can find the spread on my blog, on my website, healingthroughterror.com. And I've posted a graphic of this spread on my Healing Through Tarot accounts on Pinterest and Instagram. I would love to see the photos of your spreads. Please tag me on Instagram at Healing Through Tarot and please use the hashtag Healing Through Tarot Trigger Spread. Inside Editions sent over the new Disney Villains Tarot deck for me to review. Just like all the Inside Editions decks, this one is absolutely gorgeous. The colors are so vivid and magical. And the artwork is sublime. The guidebook is written by Minerva Siegel, and the deck is illustrated by Ellie Goldwine. I love the aesthetic of all their decks. This is my favorite of their decks so far. It is a close match to the Nightmare Before Christmas Tarot, but this one does edge it out because it's so effective with shadow work. I knew the moment that I opened it that this deck would be exclusive for shadow work in my tarot practice. We all know so many of these characters from popular Disney films, some that we've seen since childhood. We often have associations already formed in our minds for these characters, which further helps us to connect with the cards in our readings. The fact that this deck is made up of all villains makes it perfect for shadow work, especially when exploring shadow personality characteristics. These villains mirror our personality traits that we repress, 
which is why they trigger us when on screen. So using them to explore these shadow elements helps us get in touch with these traits quickly and easily. Then it's up to us to work through our resistance where these elements are concerned. I always find art to be the most evocative tool for unearthing unconscious material to be worked through either in therapy or interpersonal work like shadow work. The guidebook says that the individuals in the deck were assigned to their respective tarot cards based on how their storylines and personalities suit the card's traditional themes, archetypes, warnings, or lessons. If you want to work on triggers, this is the deck I would choose. We're triggered by what we have in common with those that push our buttons much of the time. That's why this deck is great for exploring our shadow, especially with the court cards. The great thing about this deck is that you can read it as the shadow even when the cards are upright. The way I do this is to set the intention to work with it for shadow work on the spreads that I'm about to throw. When pulling cards using this deck, ask yourself, why do these villains trigger me and what can they teach me? I want to highlight some of my favorite cards in this deck and show you how to use the cards to find your triggers and the wounds that lie beneath them. Ursula was the perfect choice for the Queen of Cups. The shadow version of this card is an individual who is emotionally manipulative, deceptive, and vengeful, which suits Ursula well. Watch what you drink around this Queen of Cups, because the potion she serves you could easily steal your voice and leave you without the ability to speak up for yourself. And be careful what you wish for. This queen might trick you into a binding contract that you'll soon regret, you poor unfortunate soul. Another perfect shadow example is Gaston for the Knight of Cups. We usually think of this knight as our charming knight in shining armor, swooping in to sweep us off our feet and offer us what we've always dreamed of. But in the shadow, this knight can turn into a stalker. Gaston represents the jilted lover who can't take no for an answer and comes on way too strongly. He can't take a hint that this relationship just isn't going to ever happen. We see him shower Belle with unwanted attention and advances throughout the entire film. He becomes possessive, relentless, and clingy. Scar as the King of Swords is the perfect representation of the shadow version of this king. He's cunning, calculating, tyrannical, and willing to throw his family into harm's way to get what he wants. This power-hungry, controlling character is definitely one we all love to hate. When looking at these villains and the cards they represent, it's easy to see why they trigger us. And each of these characters are operating from deep emotional wounds. In one version of Ursula's backstory, we're told that she's seeking revenge against her brother, King Triton. They were supposed to rule the seas together. In another version of her backstory, we see that she longs to be desirable because she had six sisters, all more attractive than she. Her father, Poseidon, found her loathsome and her sisters beautiful. So we see Ursula acting out of revenge against her brother for taking over the kingdom when he came of age and out of jealousy for those she sees more desirable, like her sisters and Ariel. Gaston is nursing a deep rejection wound, 
and wants to strong arm his way into a romantic relationship where he is adored for what he longs to be seen as, a strong, handsome suitor. It's clear he may have been rejected early on in life based on his extreme aversion to Belle's constant refusals to courtship. He could have experienced rejection from his mother as a child and turned to vanity and narcissism to mask his deep insecurities that left painful emotional scars. In adulthood, his shadow developed into the vain, sexist, manipulative, and obsessive stalker we see manhandling Belle, despite her repeated rebuffs. And out of jealousy, he even becomes murderous as he stokes the mob heading to the castle to kill the beast, who had already captured Belle's heart. And Scar's jealousy stems from playing second fiddle to his older brother Mufasa, who was always destined to be king and ruler of the Pride Lands. He has walked in his brother's shadow for so long. He acts out of his inferiority complex, knowing that he is inferior to Mufasa strengthwise. But he's quite the narcissist and prides himself on his intellect, which he uses to plot against his brother. So he schemes to win the only way he knows how, through deception and betrayal. If he felt superior to his brother, he would have challenged him directly. He knows he's no match. So he resorts to sabotage as he sends Mufasa into the stampede after Simba as he watches from a safe distance. He then sends Mufasa to his death as he lords above him, safe on top of the cliff, after digging his sharp nails into his brother's paws, which were gripping onto the cliff for dear life. We also see him acting out of his sense of entitlement and sadistic nature when he next targets Simba to manipulate and gaslight in order to get him out of the way so he can assume the throne. Wicked to the core. Is there even a bigger Disney villain than Scar? The Disney Villains Terror Deck is a great tool for us to use to identify which shadow aspects we need to explore within ourselves. See which cards trigger you the most, and spend time exploring why. Which wounds do they reflect for you? A big thank you to Inside Editions for sending over this perfect shadow work deck for review. It's now at the top of my list, along with the Deviant Moon Tarot for shadow work. I highly recommend this deck. Links for all the decks discussed in this episode are in the show notes and on my blog. I'm hosting a chakra-themed tarot challenge on Instagram this month. I created prompts for each of the 30 days in April and linked them to themes of each chakra. To follow the challenge, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Healing Through Tarot. The graphic with all of the daily prompts is posted on my Instagram account and on my blog. We started the challenge on April 1st, but there's still time to join in on the challenge. In the next episode, we will be wrapping up our three-episode Shadow Work mini-series. We will be taking a look at our progress so far and talking about the integration process of our shadow aspects. So join me next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this information valuable, consider subscribing to the show so you never miss an episode. And please rate and review this podcast and tell fellow car readers about the show. You can find more tarot tips on my blog on healingthroughtarot.com and on my Pinterest and Instagram page, both under Healing Through Tarot. That's through, spelled T-H-R-U. See you next time, card slingers.